realize that sometimes some things are not as they appear. Some things are not as they appear. There was um, this burglar who had gone into this house to steal some of the goods of its occupant. And as he was going in to uh, begin to remove the stereo equipment and the computers and all the other things, uh, he hears a voice bellowing from the dark that says, Jesus is watching you. So the burglar, he pauses. He looks around in the dark, uh, trying to discover where the voice came from. So again, I guess being a, a, a crook, uh, maybe he imagined that it was just coming from his mind. So he begins again to uh, gather all the goods of the occupant. And he takes all the goods of the occupant and he begins to place them in the bag. And as he uh, places them in the, a, a bag, again he hears a voice that says, Jesus is watching you. So now he knows this is not coming from his mind. Now he knows he literally, he has heard a voice. So now he takes out his flashlight and he begins to look around the room. But then he sees a parrot in the cage. And he walks to the parrot and the parrot says, Jesus is watching you. So the burglar, he relaxes. And he says, oh, thank goodness, I thought this was uh, something real that was going on. Uh, but then he begins to speak to the parrot. And he says, well, Mr. Parrot, what is your name? And the parrot says, my name is Moses. And the burglar, he laughs. And he says, <laughs> he says your name is Moses? So he asked the parrot, what type of pet owner gives the name Moses to his parrot? And the parrot responds, the same pet owner who calls his Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Things are not as they appear to be. We have walked with Abraham from the land of Ur with his father, made it all the way to Haran, and now down into the land of Canaan. And then we found out last time that while in the land of Canaan, that Abram and his family, that they came across a famine in the land. And we heard that that famine in the land could not only be something uh, that is, uh, deals with plants and crops, but we also heard that we ourselves can go through a spiritual drought ourselves, a spiritual famine. And in the midst of that, we heard that Abraham and his wife Sarah, that they told a lie. Well, we heard that sometimes that even uh, godly people may tell lies to get out of the situation. They may do ungodly things. But in the 11th hour after the Egyptians taking Sarah to be the Pharaoh's wife, one of his wives anyway, 
that, that God comes in in the 11th hour and he afflicts Pharaoh. Pharaoh realizes that, uh, that there's something else goes on and he releases uh, Sarah because he realizes that Sarah was indeed Abraham's wife and not his sister. So God rescues them in the 11th hour. So today we find ourselves again journeying on a journey of faith with Abraham where, where Abraham has now returned from Egypt. Return with me to Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And during the course of this message, we discover that conflict can develop because of the Lord's blessings. Imagine that if you would. That conflict can develop because of the Lord's blessing. Verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. The Lord provides for anyone whom he has a plan. That if God has a plan for you, I want you to know that God provides for you. Today we see Abraham, uh, he finally gets his act together after telling that big bald-faced lie about uh, Sarah being his sister. And we discovered last time, well, okay, uh, she really was his half-sister, but he didn't treat her like his half-sister. He treated her like his wife. Therefore, Sarah was his wife. So Abraham, he gets his act together and he, leads, he leaves Egypt. This was, of course, after a tumultuous time in Egypt in which, again, he almost lost his wife to Pharaoh because of his deceits. Because he responds to a situation using ungodly means. You ever know any people like that? People that call themselves Christians, but yet they use ungodly means in order to solve their situation. And we found that out with Abraham because he figured out it is better to lie than to rely upon God. So they departed Egypt here in verse 1 and they went into the Negev. So mentioned back in Genesis chapter 12 verse 9, it was a place, the Negev was, it was a place where Abraham fled when the famine raged and is now the place where he returned. You know, sometimes God takes us backwards before he can move us forward. Sometimes God may have to just break you down and break you out before he can finally move you forward. Uh, sometimes uh, because we just don't get it. 
We just don't understand the lesson in the first place. We don't, we don't understand that God wants more out of us. And because we don't learn that lesson, sometimes we have to go back before God can move us forward. Where are you on your journey? Are you moving forward or have you gone backwards? But all along, Abram was dedicated to his family. We've seen this very clearly. We saw how he was dedicated to his family as he allowed Lot to remain with him. You know, why do you want to go with this, Lot, right? But also understand that sometimes even your own family can get in the way of your obedience to God. Those folks that you love so much that they can get in the way of you being obedient to God if you are not careful. Lot had an opportunity to witness for himself uh, that Lot had a chance to see Abraham uh, move by the will of God. So now, in verse 2, we're introduced to a new fact about Abram. In verse 2 here in Genesis 13, we see that Abram that he amassed resources which upgraded his financial standing. In other words, Abraham was now rich. As some people would like to use this verse as well as uh, Jesus, uh, who was once rich, became poor for our sake. Well, that's not the same thing, meaning that all Christians uh, should be very rich. Right? But we know that does not stand up to biblical scrutiny. We understand that. Nevertheless, we see here in verse 2 that Abram, he was very rich. In fact, the original language uses two different words to describe how rich he was. Uh, specifically, the original language says that Abram was very heavy in cattle, in gold, and silver. Abram was very heavy in cattle, in gold, and in silver. These two words have also been used to describe uh, one of the great plagues uh, as we saw in Egypt in Exodus chapter 10, verse 14. That when Scripture described the locusts that had come upon the land, that it says that it was in great number, uh, that the word that, that is used there says that the locusts were very heavy. It's also used for the amount of livestock, very much, that departed from Egypt with the Hebrews when God delivered them there in Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. But on his journey away from Egypt, Abram did not remain in the Negev, but returned to where he first made an altar between Bethel and Ai, verse 3. This place between Bethel and Ai, or at Bethel, uh, that uh, this would be a very significant place for generations to come. But once arriving there, we see that Abram, that he called upon the name of the Lord. 
Remember when we read last time in Genesis chapter 12 between verses 10 and verses 20, we saw that Abram never called upon the name of the Lord when he was in trouble. But here, as he had to go backwards in order to go forward, now we see Abram calling upon the name of the Lord in this spiritually significant place. Sometimes life can be so confusing. Sometimes... Life can be so full of trials that all we can really do is to return home. Have you ever just wanted just to go back to see Daddy and and, and Mama? You just want to go home just to sit. Not even to say a word. You just feel good just to be home again. But this is not to say uh, that we return to our pre-Jesus days, amen? But to that first place, at least in heart, uh, where we first encountered Jesus to get ourselves grounded again to where? To our first love. There we reignite the passion we had at first to clear out the fog uh, that has easily beset our minds and our emotions. The cobwebs of life have gotten in the way, have become thorns and thistles and weeds that we can't move in life. And we need to get to that place where the passion can light again anew and to burn all the stuff that is not important in our life. So we now see that Abraham had accomplished a lot. But we saw that previously what Abram, what he accomplished, that he accomplished in his flesh. That what Abraham accomplished in the past, he accomplished within his flesh. And you know what I mean by in the flesh, right? In the flesh means doing what you know to do. In the flesh means uh, that you're going to plan. In the flesh means that you're going to scheme while trying to work all the different angles from all the different directions within your own strength. When you are an angler worker, you are a worker of the flesh. The flesh relies upon personal power and not God's power. It is true that some appear to show reliance upon the Lord, but what emerges after a period of time are the telltale signs of flesh operation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 I'm picking this passage up from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, but please, if you would, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Paul says uh, the works of the flesh are evident, and here they are. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, says Paul. So we will see the dissensions and the factions in one moment, but Abraham had selfish ambitions as he lied. So for Abram, after he realized his tricks 
and schemes were ineffective, he returned to that place where he intentionally met the Lord, and there he called upon the name of the Lord. Isn't it amazing that when life gets complicated, that when life gets tough, we know to return to that one thing that truly grounds us, and that is our spiritual roots. Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, look again. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. That was the first time that Abram called upon the name of the Lord. But it seemed to be something that he forgot along the way as he dealt with the famine and as he dealt with the Egyptians. Do you ever realize that sometimes you forget about God when stuff gets tough? Sometimes you start cursing and you don't realize that I shouldn't be cursing. Sometimes you realize that you allow things in your life that you should not allow things. I had a guy uh, just yesterday, he sent me a text message and is a picture of, uh, of an animal, and, uh, uh, and I, I completely, I saw the picture, I completely ignored it. And then eventually, after about 30 minutes, he says, did you get my text? I said, yeah, don't send it again. Don't send it again. See, there are things in our life that we allow to happen because we kind of forget our, our way along in our faith journey. This was important not just to ground Abram, but to help him set the course for the next challenge which was on its way. Uh, don't you know when you're riding high with God uh, that your next challenge is just around the corner? Don't you know that your next challenge that is just a moment away? Again, we talked about that time of orientation and disorientation. Know that there are some situations that they are waiting on you right now Custom design just for you. How many of you love custom? Having custom clothes and custom this and custom that. Well, well, there are tests and temptations and trials and rough patches that are designed just for you. So now we see Lot is introduced back into the picture. So the blessings of resources that can lead to trouble. The blessings of resources can lead to trouble. Here, Genesis 13, again, we'll start in verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Verse 6. So that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Important. So Abraham and his family, they now encountered a problem where uh, there is not a, a famine. Remember before, uh, uh, that, that Abraham had experienced a time of famine that there was not enough food. But yet now there is a new famine but this famine is a famine of land of sorts. 
Did you you notice that right after Abram called upon the name of the Lord, that trouble, it began to start? Did you see that in your verse, right? You see that at the end of verse 4, it says, And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, verse 5, and Lot went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that land could not support them. So you see there, Lot, Abraham called upon the name of the Lord, and the next thing that happened was trouble. So you can pray, you can pray, you can pray, to the day turns gray. And at the end of that time, you can come up from your knees and trouble can be awaiting you. Now this is where Abram was. So you know we expect to have trouble when we're not walking with God. Don't you expect that? That when you're not obedient to God, you expect trouble to come your way because you know, I'm just not doing right. I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But when you're doing what God has asked you to do and you've been faithful, you don't expect all the trouble. So it surprises us. So this famine that we see here concerning the land is not caused by what we categorize as a lack of rain resulting in fell crops, but a lack of land space, which means there's not enough food in order for the livestock to survive. Now, a moment ago, we heard in verse 2 that uh, Abram was very heavy. Remember that? Very heavy in livestock or cattle in gold and silver. Again, this meant that it was very heavy. It means that he had quite a bit of it. He was rich. But now look at verse 6, right? Verse 6 says that the land could not support the amount of wealth and possessions of both Abraham and Lot. What are you getting at? Well, I'm getting at this. The original language tells us that the land could not support it. It says the land could not carry it. In other words, it says, number one, we already understand that uh, uh, Abraham and Lot, that they were already very heavy in cattle and gold and silver. They had a lot of it. Very heavy. But now the scripture says that the land could not carry it. Because it was too heavy for the land to support and something would have to give. So it is possible for natural resources to be exhausted by the demands of the stuff that we possess. It is possible for natural resources uh, to be exhausted or worn out by the demands of all of our junk. Remember, the Lord instructed Israel to give the land a break when? In the seventh year. So, for what reason? So in that seventh year, the the land could do what? Let's try it again. So in the seventh year, the land could do what? So the land could rest. So here, the land could not rest because it was very heavy and stuff. Yet, if the land is worn out ahead of schedule, then it would be possible for the quality of that land to suffer as we see with Abram and Lot. And you know, uh, we are much like that land in many ways. You know, some of us, at one time or another, that we are 
trying to carry a very heavy weight that God had not designed for us to carry. Did you know that? Did you know that there are things that, coming, that come into your life that are so heavy, that are so burdensome, that God never intended for you to carry in the first place? Do you realize that you will be just like that land if you're not careful, that if you allow all the pressures, all the stress, all the burdens in life to come upon you, uh, to be very, very heavy, do you realize that you're not going to be able to support it emotionally and ultimately physically? That you are not going to be able to carry the load. This is why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that we are to cast all of our anxieties or all of our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. There it is. So whatever burden that you have, Scripture tells us, to cast all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our stresses, all of the toughness in life, all the difficulties on to Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. That means that we are not designed to carry all that, but God can. God will take care of that for you. So now we see that Abram's lack of space is due in part to the blessings of God. Remember that God promised he would bless those who would bless Abram? All the way back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. There it is. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. See? We may wonder, the question was asked me, well, why did, why did God afflict Pharaoh when Pharaoh probably didn't know, because, uh, know that Sarah was his wife because Abraham lied to him. Well, the bottom line is there is a principle that God has set into motion whether you know about it or not, right? And that principle that God set into motion, it says that, uh, that those who dishonor you, Abram, that I am going to curse them, right? Just like it happened to me, you know, me, me and the traffic cops, right? Uh, driving down the street one time late at night, I didn't see all the lights were out. They had a stop sign out, but it was over to the side of the road. It was covered. I could not see it. Honest to God, I did not see it at all. I was looking, and I went through. About two seconds later, uh, there was this bright Christmas tree on my tail, and this Christmas tree with all these blinking lights, uh, with the one beaming light on my neck, I started to sweat. And the cop came out and said, you ran a stop sign. I'm like, what stop sign? Don't you realize that there was a storm? There were no lights. I couldn't see, I couldn't see the stop sign over. He says, uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. You see? For Pharaoh, God says, well, even though you say you don't know, that's no excuse. So once God uh, puts things into motion, whether you know it or not, that you do realize that you have to reap your rewards if you operate outside of his will. Did you realize that? So verse 5 tells us that Lot was also, had also had flocks and herds and tents and had servants, of course, to manage all that stuff. So because the Lord had blessed Abram, uh, 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 because his heart was intent on uh, making sure that Abram walked through God's plan, uh, that Lot was blessed by proximity. 
Lot was blessed by proximity. Have you ever been around those people that it seems like it seems like nothing but good just happens to them? You know, they uh, used to say about, uh, uh, or my wife used to say about my son David, that people would just give him things and this, that, and the other. And, uh, and my son Terrence said, why are, people, why, why are people always like him all the time? I'm like, man, you might want to try to be a little bit like him and just be a little bit more relaxed and don't be so high strung, you know. Uh, uh, that's what he used to say to him. Uh, but the bottom line that sometimes when you are around a people who are really blessed of God, do you realize that you also can be blessed? Now, don't act a fool now. Don't say, oh, I'm just going to be near them. I'm going to act a fool and I'll be okay. But here we see very clearly that in proximity of the blessings of Abraham, that Lot would also be blessed as well. Now it's not that God cared less about Lot, and that's simply not the case. I'm sure he cared about it. God loves all people because all people were made in his image. But the bottom line is, is that, uh, 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 the bottom line is that Abram was blessed and Lot was with him, therefore Lot was blessed. So because of God's blessings, though, because of God's great blessings, there was no longer room for both Abram, Lot, and all their stuff. No longer room for Abram, Lot, and all their stuff. But more importantly, in order for God to carry out uh, uh, the promises he had made Abram, it was necessary for Lot to get out of the way. Again, this is what I had mentioned before. Sometimes uh, uh, people who are part of your family, that they can get in the way of your obedience and even your blessing sometimes. And at this point, it's not that Lot was bad. We didn't say anything bad about Lot up to this point. His character had simply been neutral. But instead, God had a plan for Abram. So the consequence of all their blessings it was causing strife and discord between them when there previously it had been none. What is interesting is that uh, the conflict arose not between Abram and Lot. I'm not sure if you noticed that within the scripture here in verse 7. But the conflict arose between the herdsmen, between the people who took care of all their stuff. You know, sometimes down the line, uh, the, the people don't share the same vision that you have. Because they don't have the same depth of relationship. Uh, I, I don't understand why not, but they simply did not have it. Nevertheless, it was enough conflict to call for some kind of change. So when there comes a time when, when a space cannot support two individuals or groups, it often results in conflict because something must give, because uh, what's existing, it cannot support the two. But what happens is that the conflict is also a reflection of the hand of God in motion, which is very difficult to detect. Uh, Sometimes God brings discord because he's trying to move one group forward and the other group is doing nothing but causing interference. So what God needs to do, he needs to get something out of the way. Hmm. One thing I also must mention, we oftentimes believe that an older person gets in the way of youth. We always think that 
you know, old folks, you need to just move out the way and make room for the young folks. From our perspective, we could say Abram was old. That Abram, uh, he's now 75 plus, and that he needs to wake up and smell the coffee and go ahead, go ahead and let that young man take over. Let Lot take over. But remember this, brothers and sisters, old and young alike, that God's call is God's call. Amen? And God endorses whomever he desires in order to work his plan, whether they are 2, whether they're 20, whether they're 80, or whether they're 120. It doesn't make a difference. So if you are older, you remember this. You are never too old for God to use you so don't curl up in a ball and shrink in a corner thinking that you are useless to God. God is using you. God wants to use you. God is called to use you. So don't shrink back. As a matter of fact, now is the best time of your life. We need the direction and the guidance of those people who have been found tried and true of God. So you show us and you teach us. So I challenge you to consider how Jesus wants to use you now. Whatever your limitations, whatever your problems, God can use you. Remember, even Abram had problems, but it never stopped him. Yes, I'm sure it frustrated him. I'm sure it made him to consider the impossibility of God working through an older man. But yet Abram never lost total hope. Yeah, he lied a couple of times. One lie he told twice, and we'll see that a little bit later. Uh, he did some things he had no business doing, but yet he felt as if God would still bless him. He continued to believe God. And now because of him, we have our Savior, Jesus Christ, who comes through the bloodline of Abram. And for that, we can say, thank you, God, for your plan. So how do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with conflict? Through faith. Deal with conflict through faith. Genesis 13, verse 8. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Do you think that Abram was speaking under the guidance of the Holy Spirit there? How would God work that out if God has blessed you with X, Y, and Z, and it seems like you're giving away God's blessing? Abram, he wanted no strife or conflict between him and his nephew. Today, many people, as even then, I'm sure, have hidden agendas. People are not open to being transparent concerning certain things. So no conflict was important for Abraham uh, because I'm sure he felt like a father to Lot. He had walked with Lot all of his life. Remember, Lot could have stayed behind in Haran, with his older relatives, but he decided to continue on a journey that was uncertain. Who would rather, who would rather 
go with someone that really don't know where they're going versus going with someone where you can see everything that's there. It must be a God thing. So Abram wanted no problem between them or their people, and this is why he said, for we are kinsmen. I'm sure many of you are the same way. You really don't want conflict because you feel some kind of affinity between you and another person, and that's okay. But given a choice, some choose according to what they see. Problem. Given a choice, though, when you're giving a choice to do X, Y, and Z, oftentimes people choose according to what they can see. You see? Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered. Man, who wouldn't want to go to a land that had plenty of good water? Had, it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the garden of Eden. Man, that land was watered like the garden of Eden, Lot said. How did Lot know that? Then he says, like the land of Egypt. Ironic. Wait a minute. The garden of the Lord? Like the garden of the Lord? Like the land? So the land of Egypt was like the garden of Eden before sin? Then he says, in the directions of Zor. This was before the Lord. Very important. We got to see this, right? So he said, it, it all looked good. But then the writer of Genesis makes this little comment. He says this. Oh, and by the way, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So in other words, what Lot was looking at, he was looking at the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked at the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and say, that is good. Well, who in the world looks at pornography and say, that's good? Because we know what went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. So he looks, uh, verse 11, so Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Lot realized he could choose first, so he looked up and had the world before him. Having it all to choose from is not always the best place to be in. That's why sometimes I'm the type of person who said, you go ahead and you choose first, and whatever you choose, I'm going to do the opposite. My wife knows that I do that sometimes. No, 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 no. You choose first. Then I'll go after. Sometimes it doesn't work out too well, but uh, other times it works out perfectly. Do you think Lot made his choice based on faith? 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Look at it. Clearly speaks to us. John says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. You see that? Our desires often place us in troubled situations, especially when those desires drive our decisions. An opportunity may not be what we think if it has not been vetted by the Lord. So Lot, he chose what he thought was the best. But look at what the scripture says about the land after Lot made the decisions. Genesis chapter 13, verses 12 and 13. 
Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Verse 13, now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord, against Yahweh. Oops. So you thought that if you took a look and you decided to make your plan and how you were going to enrich yourself, you thought by doing that that I'm going to be the better, but you don't know what's brewing under the surface, my brother and my sister. You don't know what's about to happen because you are doing what? Operating according to the course of this world and not operating according to the spirits. So Lot selected according to what he could see, according to his flesh, and he reaped according to the flesh as well. So by responding in faith, the Lord, he gives more blessings, specifically to Abram. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, you see that? So God didn't speak again to Abram until after what happened, until after there was a separation. See that? He said to him after he had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, uh, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord, a second altar. Second time now that Abram he worships God. But notice that the blessing uh, transpired only after Lot was out of the way. So let's put, let's put all this together. Kind of feels like some of these pieces are a little bit disconnected as God simply wants this story told, but of course there is more. We should now compare this with our previous section, and in this we learn one of our lessons. So previously, Abram had faced, was faced with a terrible famine in the land and needed to make a decision about remaining in the land or fleeing to safety into Egypt. His choice was to flee into safety. While in Egypt, he was faced with another choice of lying in order to save his own neck and possibly the life and the integrity of his wife, Sarah. His choice to flee, uh, from sa- to, flee to safety by lying. Now, Abram was faced with the choice uh, of which land to settle because there was not enough for him and Lot. His choice to respond in faith, to sit back and say, Lot, go ahead, you choose, man. You choose, and I'll just take whatever is left over. The first stint with his journey to Egypt was a scary one almost resulting in total disaster for Abram and his family. The second story resulted in Abram being blessed and receiving an abundance from God. What's the difference between the two? The difference between the two is that in the first instance, we never saw Abram getting into the presence of God. In our current situation, the second, on his return from Egypt, Abraham, he gets it, and he prays. 
And this is significant because of the results that came out of it. So Abraham will need to stay in constant contact with God in order to take this journey, still full of trials, but a journey that is guided by faith through the Holy Spirit. Where is your journey today? Where is your journey today? What's getting in the way? It's better to live by faith than to live with junk.